Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your host, Olivia Harlan Decker. Hello, and welcome back to Unleashed by BetMGM, the king of sports books. I'm Olivia Harlan Decker, and I'm glad to have you with us another week. And it's a big week in sports. The tennis French Open just wrapped up. The Golf U.S. Open starts this weekend from the south course of Torrey Pines. And of course, NBA playoffs, which we always give you a little juice on. The conference semifinals wrapping up this weekend. In the NHL, the Stanley Cup semifinals, College World Series, European Championship in soccer. Oh my gosh, it's a lot. And I'm excited to bring on BetMGM's expert, Peter Andrew. He'll be on later in the show to break down betting odds and tell you how to navigate everything in the world of sports gambling this week. But first, it is golf's U.S. Open week, so let's turn our focus there. It's the third major of the year. Of course, there are four. And most recently, we saw Phil Mickelson win the PGA Championship at Kiowa Island, making history at age 50. Well, guess what? He turns 51 on Wednesday. And there's some hope and buzz around him. Should he win two in a row in his 50s, the second one giving him his career Grand Slam? Oh my gosh, start writing the book now. It's going to be one of the best stories in sports. Also, Brooks Kepka is coming off a missed cut. He's looking to win his third U.S. Open in five years. He's just 31 years old. That would be monumental. And the heavy favorite, John Rahm. He came down with COVID earlier this month and had to withdraw from the Memorial Tournament, which he was leading by six strokes. He passed COVID protocol. He's at Torrey Pines on time practicing. He's ready to go. He's won here and is plus 1,000 to win the tournament. Well, that's enough from me. Let's hear from someone who was actually playing in the tournament. It's Max Homa. He's a national champion from Cal. He got his first PGA Tour victory at the Wells Fargo Championship two years ago. And most recently, he won at the beginning of the year at the Genesis Invitational. We caught up with him right before he left for San Diego. He's super interesting. Our conversation kind of went everywhere. You are going to want to listen start to finish. So without further ado, let's bring in Max Homa. Toma is a pro on the PGA Tour. He's a two-time tour winner, podcast host, hilarious social media personality. Some say golf's Twitter king, which what a title. And our guest this week on Unleashed, Max, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're so excited you're on. You are so busy. But I've got to ask of one thing that recently came up on Twitter. A fan tweeting you for 25 straight days to play golf with him. You finally cracked. I'm curious, have you played yet? Are you going to wait till the season's done? And why did you crack? Yeah, I think I cracked because I'm a bit of a pushover. Uh, I need to have a bit more of a backbone. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, we talked about playing. I told them I might need to wait till the season kind of dies down. We're in the thick of it at the moment. Yeah. But I just think, you know, it's harmless. It's fun. You know, what could go wrong? And I might need to show up with some kind of security <laughs> or at least, you know, write my last will and testament before I leave. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, he seems like a really nice kid. It, it'll be fun. I'm hoping to figure out a way to raise money for charity somehow along the way. Uh-huh. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, we're going to wait a little bit till uh, we, we both have a little bit of time off. That's pretty cool. It's very a la Kylie Jenner, who I think went to prom with someone on Twitter who asked. So you and Kylie Jenner have a lot in common. Yeah, that might be the only thing we have in common. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are, though. You're very funny on Twitter, very self-deprecating, which I think people find so endearing. One of my favorite tweets, I'm going to quote this one is you tweeted, I had a few caddies hit me up recently, hoping to team up. They heard they usually get weekends off, which is apparently a great selling point. Why do you think your humor resonates so well with people? I I don't know. I think everybody likes to laugh. I like to laugh. Yeah. I don't take myself super seriously. I take what I do seriously, but outside of that, it's, I know everybody's living their own life. Everybody's going through their own stuff. So it's like, you know, if I take myself too seriously to the, to the public, yeah. you know, what, what, what do they really care? And I wouldn't either if I was them. So I just try and I don't know. I just, I just try and understand that, you know, a smile here and there, if you could make that happen is really cool. And yeah, I don't mind being self-deprecating at times. Sometimes I went back and read through some of those and realized I was overdoing it <laughs> uh, to the detriment of my own psyche probably, but it, it's worked out now trying to find a little balance between self-deprecating and some form of confidence. (laughs) Well, I assume you're feeling pretty confident right now. You're fresh off a top 10 finish at the Memorial Tournament. What's feeling strongest in your game right now? Or when you're at your level, can you even pinpoint something? That was a great segue, by the way. I would like to get better at those. (laughs) I'm a professional, Max. (laughs) Yeah, it shows. It shows. I'm kidding. Right now, uh, right now, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll say the same thing. I'm just a professional at the moment. I feel like I'm going through yeah. a routine that I, I've kind of built and come up with for myself, and I'm sticking to it, trusting like in the process of that. When I'm playing well, it does seem like my mind is quite calm and I'm very accepting. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know at all times that if I hit a bad shot here, I'll, I'll be okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll hit a good one after that to kind of bounce back and understand that there's a bigger... Like there's a grand scheme to the game of golf, especially a tournament that one shot can't ruin. Mm-hmm. So that, that's been going really well. And then obviously the, the physical parts of my game this year have been all pretty darn good. There haven't been too many big holes. So even if something's a little bit down, something else is carrying it. So mm-hmm. it's just been that part of the season has been fun. And then, yeah, just adding a bit of that mental fortitude and, and understanding a bit more has helped me play a lot more consistently. And yeah, I had a good week last week and that's kind of what it felt like a little more slow motion, a little bit. I just felt like, again, I was just accepting of, of what was going to happen. And that seems to always help me play, play some of my best golf. Kind of in that vein, there's a phrase, good golf travels. I'm sure tennis players feel the same, you know, whatever it is, because it's so individual. What do you rely on in pressure situations? Like, do you believe that good golf travels? Yeah, for sure. You, know, you you notice it more as, as you start to play professional golf. You have a I've got a lot of friends that I think are tremendous golfers, and mm-hmm. you know it just seems like they can't pinpoint either. When we get on the road, sometimes it just doesn't seem to travel, and mm-hmm. it's odd. I don't know how to quantify it, but I would say that it, you know for the guys on the PJ Tour, it obviously you know kind of translates to any city golf course wherever that you go. So yeah, when I'm in the heat of the moment, 
I definitely try to lean on past memories of having success mm. and especially on courses that I, I've played a lot. So I can kind of try to almost visualize a shot I've hit on my home course and kind of transplant that into the course I'm on at that moment and just make it feel a little bit more like I'm just going, you know, going through the motions at home. But I guess, you know, we've been, or I've been doing this so long, a lot of it becomes second nature. So it's almost hard to pinpoint exactly how it works and how it comes about. Mm -hmm. But here and there, I'll definitely try, especially because my caddy's from my hometown and we'll be like, Hey, you know, that shot we would hit on X hole in Valencia. He'd be like, yeah. I was like, I kind of like that Mm -hmm. type thing. So that helps when you're nervous, just because you're trying to make it as, Mm. as simple as possible. That visualization, we've had so many impressive people in different fields on this podcast. And I feel like that's just a common thread. I don't know if you listen to any of Tony Gonzalez's podcast or read any of his books. I should. He went to Cal, so I should. Maybe I'll get on <laughs> <Yeah>. there next. <laughs> well, no, he, he's, his podcast is really good, but he always is talking about flow state and visualization. And he says on the morning of a game. Yeah, I got into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. He says morning of a game, he'd wake up and truly in bed, like look at his hands and picture catching a football. And I always think that that would apply even to like someone in business before they give a presentation, like imagining walking out of that conference room, having just killed it. Like, is that, do you think something that you really take advantage of that whole flow state and visualization? Yeah, hundred percent. My buddy and I started talking about this like a few months ago and we talked, you know, we just, he always writes hashtag flow when he texts me. Cause like that's that. what we like strive for is just to be able to go I think it carries two things. One that you you kind of, like you said, you you visualized it, you kind of already saw it and you feel it. But also the accepting part of after is that whatever comes in, nothing's going to come into that world. So even if something bad happens, you're going to keep flowing like nothing has changed and approach the next situation with the same amount of focus uh, that you would have had the bad thing not happen. But yeah, I think visualization in golf is really important mm-hmm. when you're nervous or when you're seeing bad stuff kind of, or feeling bad stuff happen. So sometimes if I'm really, really nervous over a shot and I feel like I'm seeing the ball, you know, I'm nervous about going in the water. I'm nervous about going in the, in the sand or something. I like over visualize my golf ball flying in the air. And I almost picture like a trail of it (laughs) and like with a bright color. And it's just like, it's weird how you, if you see something happen over and over and over again, when you're about to do it, it's just like you're reacting. So to your point about business, it's like, yeah, you have to you don't have to, but I guess it helps to see it happen first. So then, so then, you know, you can do it. This is going to be super nerdy, but I'm not sure if you've ever seen Harry Potter, but (laughs) Harry Potter, there's this scene where it's like some time travel BS and you know, he didn't know he could do something, but he realized at one point that it was him in the future. So he already knew he could do it. So he just went and did it. And it's like, man, you had that in you all along. You could just have let it happen, but it's almost like we need to see ourselves be successful before we become successful. So that that's definitely a, a key that I think, at least in my world, a lot of golfers use. So you're a Harry Potter in that analogy? I wish I was that cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe sometimes here. I'm more, I'm more Ron than Harry, but I'll take it here and there. Okay. I love that. I, I kind of brought up tennis earlier, just that that always seems to be the most equivalent to golf from, from my standpoint of where the type of people you're around, where you're playing, individual sport, a lot of attention at a young age, I think is another equivalent of the two. How do you describe what that's like from a kid having success individually as the stage continues to grow? Yeah. And again, you're you're not on a team. You're not competing for a championship in that way. You know, it's and then you want it all, of course, at Cal. 
Yeah, that, it's really difficult. Getting to play high school golf and college golf with a team does help. When you get out on your own, it, it's difficult because I feel like I've always been in, in, a, in a weird way, like envious at times of other sports and other athletes because, mm-hmm. you know, let's just say Mookie Betts for the Dodgers could go 0 for 4, have a bad game, but, you know, they could win. And, you're, you know, the day isn't mm-hmm. ruined. Where if I play bad, it's bad. That there's nothing that can help that. Mm-hmm. I can't save myself with a partner. But at the same time, that means that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't actually have to rely on anybody else to help me get to where I'm going. It's all on me in, in that manner too. And I like that part, but it's a lot of pressure. But like yeah. I said, I think for tennis or for golf, you know, we've been doing it so long, you get so used to it. And I think the maturing process is understanding that you're going to have some bad days and it's going to feel like the world's coming down, but it's not because you, everyone has a bad day here and there. It's just a little bit more under the microscope when it's just an individual sport. So it's tough, but I'll tell you when you win or when you do something great, you know, it all falls back on you. That's when you realize that all the struggle parts are worth it. Absolutely. And probably it's annoying as a pro golfer because a lot of people do it amateurly. They do it with their friends on weekends. It's like a treat to be able to go out and golf. I know my husband and I, that's like our favorite date. But <laughs> that the problem is, is anyone who has a good round thinks that they're amazing and, and can do it. And you watch on TV and you're probably like critiquing, you know, what club you're using even. And I mean, is that annoying? Like, do people come up to you all the time and, and talk golf as if they're at your level? Yeah. At times here and there, it's kind of, that's kind of the <laughs> fun part. The only annoying part about like those people is I'm always so jealous of you guys that like, that's the hobby. Cause I wish right. I had a hobby that was like outside and competitive yet. My, you know, I don't, it's always hard to have a hobby. So I'm always jealous, but yeah, I get it. You here can drink at, yeah, you can drink at it. Like I can't, I don't get to do a whole lot of that, but it's cool no. in golf because there's this connection that I've always said is, even if you're somebody who's like a 20 handicap and you've never broke 90 before and you have a putt on the last hole for 89, mm-hmm. you've probably felt the exact same level of nervous as a professional, you know, PJ tour players felt because it's all relative. Oh. Um, so it's yeah. the same thing. So I find that so cool. Now, every once in a while when somebody goes, Oh man, I saw you hit that bad shot. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> try, try my best out here. Yeah. <laughs> I know you could play pickup basketball, Golly. but it's not like you would ever be able to talk to LeBron James or something and, and right. relate it all. So golf does right. have that <laughs> opening. And I think that's cool for the sport. Yeah. It's funny, these last couple of weeks, especially, there's been a lot of attention on athletes' mental health. But last couple of years, I feel like kind of Kevin Love got the conversation started. But Naomi Osaka is what I'm mentioning is withdrawing from the French Open after a news conference dispute. Do you think it's good for all professional athletes for these type of topics to be brought up more mainstream? And how do you think this is going to affect things moving forward? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's very noble of Naomi to, to yeah. do what she did. I do think that we have as athletes, I think you you have, especially someone like her, who is clearly uh, unbelievable. You kind of have an obligation to do these interviews, but at the same time, she has her right to say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And if, right. you, if she has to deal with those repercussions or withdraw or whatever it is, she understands that. And I think it was very cool because I think that I think about all the time, some players We'll have a bad week in golf. And I know that they're maybe going through a little something outside of the game of golf, family, whatever. Mm-hmm. You'll still see the same kind of negative uh, attention towards them as far as like media or even fan engagement. And it's like, man, like you don't understand 
people aren't robots. I know mm-hmm. I would probably look at somebody on baseball film. Why is he throwing it so bad? Or why, why can't he yeah. catch today? And it's like, man, maybe something else is going on. That's not great. So it's great of her to bring attention to the fact that not everybody's a perfect bubbly person every day of the week. Not right. everybody's going to be happy at all times. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, she talked about anxiety of, of talking in public and she's got millions of people with their eyes on her at all times. So it was great that she can bring that point to light because she's a tremendous athlete, but she's also just a person at the end of the day. And, you know, if that happened more often, I think people would be more willing to seek maybe a little bit of, of help, or at least feel yeah. like there's a little bit more of a commonality to not feeling great all the time. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah, totally agree. It's great to have people even know the right verbiage to discuss these things with. And it's huge. But with you, I mean, the field is so dense when you get to the level you're at. It's so talented. So there's a lot of ups and downs in your profession. So if you could go back to the 2013 national champ at Cal, you were an all Pac-12 player. Your name, you know, was so relevant and there was so much promise. And to think of everywhere you've gone since then, what would you tell yourself? Like holding that trophy, what would you go back and tell yourself? I'd probably tell myself that whatever next level you go to and for the rest of your life to always to always remember that I am my favorite golfer. Oh, I love that. Because I think it's very easy to grow up and be around these people that you've watched and envy what they do. And at that moment, I'd be, you know, I was holding a a trophy for being, you know, at that time, kind of like the best player in college for the year, kind of, and, or at least at that event. And I was at the top of, you know, the college game for a week and there would be nothing. I, I would imagine other people were envying something that I did. And I would be the first to say, I lost that understanding for a while looking around too much instead of putting my head down, loving who I am and how I play the game and then just going to be in me until I'm done playing this game. So I would, you know, I don't wish I'm glad I learned this lesson. But whenever I think back to it, it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. put your chin up, put back your shoulders, stand up tall and just say, you know, I I think I'm the best one and I love what I do. And I'm just going to go do it to the best of my abilities and not spend so much time looking around and wondering how these other people are doing what they do. It's funny. My dad has told me almost word for word, those same sentences, just (laughs) getting into even broadcasting. And I don't know if maybe down the line, that's something you want to do in golf, because I think you'd be really good at it. But it's such a paranoid business in our own right. So my dad always says, you know, never look sideways, put your head down, do the work, be a pro. And I feel like maybe you two are in cahoots on that one. <laughs> yeah, we talked before this. He, he told me oh, to bring okay. that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I do have to mention you are a co-host on your own podcast with Shane Bacon called Get a Grip. And it's kind of has the purpose of making light of a traditionally stuffy sport. And I think even in the bio of the podcast, it says the public golf course of podcasts, which I really, really appreciate. Tell me what this experience has been like for you. Has this been a challenge in any way or is it really natural? It is challenging in the sense that it's not where I'm comfortable. Shane is a pro and he makes it so easy. Yeah. It's been fun to have a, a little bit of a, a platform to talk about the weeks that I have on the course. And also, so we can talk about some things that I know maybe are going to get misconstrued in the media for Mm -hmm. maybe some of the guys who've won or who are struggling. So I like that. It is a blast. I want golf to be more inclusive. I want more people to be interested in playing. And that's been the joy of it all. But yeah, it's hard and scary. Shane does like almost all the work. 
he makes it easy for me. I'd show up and talk, but he, you know, he, he comes up with some great ideas and typically formats most of the show. And, and I just kind of am a body, but no, I, I have a blast. It, it puts in, in so much perspective, how hard broadcasting is and commentating is. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing how professional everyone is that does it. And to your last point in the question before about how, you know, it's a, probably a paranoid thing to do because you're up there mm-hmm. talking and you don't know, you don't have any reaction. It's not like being a comedian where someone will clap or laugh when you say something <laughs> right. funny. It is, it is really eye-opening how you say something and then you wait later to see if anybody liked or didn't like what you said. And I don't know, it's a very interesting world and, and not one I don't think I'm super interested in to getting too deep in. I have a hard enough time with what I do, but it has been fun. Right. And, and nowadays, I guess it's like the 2021 thing to do is like, hey, I have a podcast. So yeah. I, just had to, I had to fit in <laughs> while I could. <laughs> Believe me, I feel the same. This is my first round of doing a podcast, having the time of my life. It's so fun. <laughs> it feels like a break from work. But yeah, it's one of those things you're like, want to be a guest on my podcast? Everyone has a podcast. <laughs> but we really, really appreciate you being a guest. Yeah, everyone does. So I think my mom's about to start one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And thanks for all your conversation on mental health as well. I think in athletics, that's something that needs to be a conversation that is continued. So I appreciate your insight there. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. And for confirming that you are not Kylie Jenner or Harry Potter, although you have much, much in common. Max, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck as you hit the road for three weeks in the middle of the golf season. Thank you again for your time. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, not a whole lot in common with them, but I'll take the little (laughs) little things. (laughs) All right. And coming up next, we have Peter Andrew with our Lions Lock. Welcome back, Peter Andrew, BetMGM's betting expert, and we just kind of like to have him on, so we keep bringing him back. Peter, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. What a week does in terms of the NBA. Been a crazy couple of days. Oh my gosh, especially this past weekend, one of the biggest news out of the NBA was Kyrie Irving's ankle injury. My gosh, that got tougher to watch the more they replayed it. And that's in addition to the Nets operating without James Harden. He's got a hamstring injury, so there's no timetable on either and the Bucks tied up the series. How are those injuries affecting the spread and the series in general? Yeah, I mean, if you think about what Steve Nash said, he, they're not going to force back James Harden if he's not ready, which is the right move, of course. Mm-hmm. He's been out since game one where he hurt himself. And then you obviously had Kyrie's pretty tough to look at high ankle sprain, which, uh, you know, if anybody's ever had one, it's it's tough to walk, let alone play professional basketball. Yeah. So I think you have to take a look at what the Bucks are doing. They are by no means a slouch team. Giannis playing at a high level. KD is capable of, of holding a team together, but it's going to be really, really difficult against this Bucks team that, that seemingly learned how to play together the last couple of games. <laughs> Middleton's defending better. He's shooting better. Giannis is all over the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking at them and I'm looking at the Suns out of the West as a potential matchup. If you were to take those two teams, you're looking at plus 500 for that exact outcome come the NBA Finals. I think whoever comes out of this Brooklyn Bucks series looks better than the other side of things where you have the Sixers that have looked good as of late, Mm -hmm. but can be a little bit shaky and the Hawks are having a tough go the last couple of games, uh, game four is tonight. So ultimately, I think that'll determine where they lie. I really like 
how the Bucks have played the last two games. And I think couple that with the injuries, it's going to be tough for the Nets. You know, Peter, I like when we get to talk about this stuff because you come at it from such an analytic standpoint. I come at it from like a sideline reporter standpoint. And I'm very familiar with this Bucks team. Again, I've, I've covered this whole coaching staff and these players. You see something change in their eyes. You see like light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that now they feel a little bit more confident. I think that was very obvious Sunday night. Absolutely. And you can probably compare that to what happened in game four for the Nuggets and the Suns as well. Mm-hmm. Jokic gets kicked out of the game. And the same thing happened with the Suns, where they almost had that fire lit under them and said, we can close this out now. They just lost their best player, which is essentially what happened. One of three of of the Nets' best players. Mm -hmm. And it just gives them that extra little motivation to say, we can do this. And now they're going, you know, essentially a three-game series with two of the Nets' best players probably out for the remainder of the games. And they're saying, we can absolutely do this. So I think you have to look at that. And the fandom part and the the non-analytics part, you know, it means a lot. It's part of the game. And they're definitely feeling good about themselves going into game five. So I'm completely with you. And then going to that Sun series, I mean, they took that with Jokic. Uh, it was a hard foul to say the least. Oh my gosh. And once he got that flagrant too, they said the same thing and, and you just saw them. They played well the whole game, but that was their way to really close it out. You know, CP3 absolutely took over. You didn't need to, you know, similar to what your dad said last week, you didn't need Devin Booker to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. You just played good basketball. The world really revolves around CP3 and how he plays, uh, you know, getting people involved, hitting that mid-range shot that was gone from the NBA for a couple of years and now it's back. Right. I love what the Suns have been doing. CP3, I think he's plus 1,200 to win finals MVP. Mm-hmm. If they're playing this way and they're playing team basketball like that, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker contributing, of course, Chris Paul running the show. They've got a really, really good shot of taking it all. Did you hear my dad's call last night where he calls Chris Paul Houdini? <laughs> yep. Like I told him last week on the other side of the TV, just think about us laughing. Uh, right. That was another great one. I was thinking of you, Peter. I was like, I think he's doing that just for Peter Andrew and the Unleashed podcast because he's just giving us great fodder. The only the <laughs> only thing missing was calling you and I out. Right. But everything else in the back of his mind, he was thinking about us. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned finals MVP. OK, so you like Chris Paul at plus twelve hundred. Kevin Durant still leads at plus three twenty five. Do, do you still feel like he's the dominating force we thought a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I do think so, but it's going to be difficult. You got mm-hmm. Kyrie, who's hitting big shots. James, James Harden was playing that role of a CP3 where he was getting other people involved. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard to replace that. You look at what a guy like James Harden or Kyrie does for a player like Joe Harris. I don't think that happens now, missing three of your, your big three. So mm-hmm. Durant will still contribute and put 35-40 up a night. But is that enough when a team is playing full five-player basketball? Right. And I don't think it's the case. So... You know, Durant will keep them in games, but can they finish off? Will they play good defensively? Yet to be seen. So it's going to be tough. What's an NBA parlay card you like? So I think the Clippers came out and looked really impressive in game three. Mm-hmm. They made this a series again. I like the Clippers to continue that momentum. And then I like the Bucks next game. And I think probably the next two games, especially when they go back to Milwaukee for game six, I would combine the two of those very simple money line. I think you put those two together and you're looking good. Clippers had to figure things out for the first couple of games. I'm not sold on the Jazz, and I think they're going to start to exploit them a little bit better. I think you have to ride with momentum. This is taking the analytics out of the game, but you have to ride with momentum. <laughs> when Kawhi has a good game, that's going to help drive him. When the Bucks have a situation like had happened in, in game uh, four, similar things. So I think you try to ride those for the next two. You're going to get decent value. 
you combine the two, you'll get plus money. So I like ride the momentum there. Well, we just finished up our interview with Max Homa. He's playing in the U.S. Open. It's the third major of the year and all signs point to John Rahm. I'm looking right now, leader after the first round. He's plus 1,800. Top five after first round. John Rahm is plus 400. I mean, he is just such a heavy favorite going into this weekend. Yeah, John Rahm is playing great golf. Unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago at the Memorial, he had to withdraw due to his COVID test, but he's taken two tests. He's ready to go. He is arguably the most complete golfer right now. He's played well at Torrey Pines before. I think a lot of this is going to really rely on how well you play at that course. It's playing really long this week, something around 7,800 yards, they're saying potentially. So you need guys that are going to play long balls, consistent balls. Anybody that's getting a little bit messy off the tees is going to have some trouble. I think his stat is ninth this year on the tour in uh, bogey avoidance, Mm -hmm. which essentially means how can he take that first bad shot and turn it into a par or turn it into a birdie? He's done really well there. I like him to lead after the first round and then plus 1,000 just to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. I think he is your clear odds on favorite. A couple other guys I like, Patrick Reed, Tony Finau. They both played earlier this year at the Farmers, which was at Torrey Pines. Mm -hmm. Reed came in first and Finau tied for second. Finau had one tough day. I think it was day three where we shot a couple over par. Both those guys know how to play the course. Again, really, really consistent. You got to stay out of the rough at Torrey where it seems like it's six inches high. Yeah. Reed is plus 2,800. Finau, very similar, plus 2,500. I think both those guys have a really good shot. Again, if they just stick to their game plan, hit those long balls, Finau seemingly can hit it 330 to 350 with almost no force. Mm-hmm. So if those guys play their game, I think they have a good shot of taking it all. Okay. We were talking earlier, fun market, hole in one on day one. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I feel like this is the fan perspective again, but I feel like anytime you see the highlights of day one, you always see someone nail a hole in one. So plus 400, it's a fun one. I think there's a couple of makeable hole in ones. So plus 400, just throw a couple bucks and you'll see a good return there. (laughs) The other one I like, you know, there's all this conversation around Bryson and Kepka. Yep. Um, so we have a market that's head-to-head betting of just who would finish better over the course of the tournament. I love that. Kepka's even money at plus 100. I think he's in Bryson's head a little bit. Oh, yeah. The way he said the chirping and the banter is good for golf, and he's 100% right. Bryson's <laughs> one of those kind of by-the-books guys, and Brooks just lets it fly. I think he loves it. He loves the all-right Brooksies. <laughs> so I like him getting in his head a little bit. I think, you know, Shambo has a chance of missing the cut. So I like Brooks. To, to win the, uh, the head-to-head person. That's right. I love the all right, Brooksy. You love golf banter. It's just such a formal sport. You love when it seems almost more relatable and kind of like other sports we love to talk about on this show. Peter Andrew, thank you so much for giving us your advice this week. Absolutely. Sounds like me on the golf course with the all right, Brooksy. So <laughs> looking forward to a little bit more of that banter. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Thanks everyone for listening. It is going to be a great weekend in sports. A lot going on. So make sure you follow BetMGM everywhere at BetMGM. Please leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye y'all.